This morning, our scripture comes from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. If you brought your good book with you this morning, I'll give you a couple minutes to get there. And if not, it's right here in your bulletin. After this, I looked. And behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these? clothed in white robes, and where have they come? And from where have they come? And I said to him, sir, you know. He said to me, these are the ones coming out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. He shall shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of God. Amen. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And uh, we continue in our Christ Central Church uh, sermon series on the, I'm sorry, the sermon series on the vision of uh, Christ Central Church. And we just finished up um, one of our vision items um, clear message of grace, and today we begin on eclectic community. Once again, this is a sermon I've preached before and I'm reworking, and it's just important for us to revisit some of the truths that serve as the foundation of Christ uh, Central Church. With that said, uh, one of you guys are old enough, if you're my age, you are, that corny song from the 80s, 1982 that is, by Stevie Wonder, black, and Paul McCartney, white. Pastor Giorgio, when he was here, and he and I would cynically sing it at times when describing our working together here at Christ Central. (laughs) Do you remember this song? Ebony and ivory. I'm not going to sing it. That's as good as it gets right there. It goes downhill. You know, it's something when you start low, you can't go no lower. 
They live together in perfect harmony, side by side on my piano keyboard. Oh, Lord, why don't we? We all know that people are the same wherever we go. There is good and bad in everyone. We learn to live. We learn to give each other what we need to survive together alive. Ebony and Ivory live together in perfect harmony, side by side on my piano keyboard. Oh, Lord, why don't we? That's the whole song. And you know why we laugh? You know why it is so corny? And we use it as fuel for our nostalgic cynicism? Because it's stupid and silly to believe it could happen. And even more stupid to put some hopefully-minded song out about it, complete with blind black man and never had a black member near Beatles, former member. It's dumb. Because we know and believe we can never be in perfect Harmony racially, ethnically, and socially just because it's a good idea and it makes for a good song. It's so 80s montage. We're at the end of things. The black guy and white guy are breakdancing together and the mean, rich white guy has come to his senses and might be dancing too after giving his money to keep the inner city clinic and dance studio open for all kids. Y'all didn't grow up in the 80s. I grew up in where movies were just one long video, yeah. It's that Coke commercial of the early 70s with all these different people on the hillside. See, I'm real old. Singing. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. It's the real thing, Coke is what the world wants today. (laughs) Thank God for the bitter, grungy, gangster rap having, discouraged and depressed 90s, crushing all of that silly, we are the world hope. Well, church, time to put your parachute pants on. (laughs) Neon green shirts, daishikis, put the black man and white man together because God is calling us to the corny mission of perfect harmony and vision of eclectic community to ascribe to more, but no less than the words of that song, Ebony and Ivory. He's made it harder and more cornerly hopeful for us here in our text. It's not just Ebony and Ivory, but chocolate and caramel and lemon and butter pecan, peach and strawberry. Living together, perfect harmony, side by side on this Sunday. Ah, y'all got that? Okay. I'm a conscious rapper. It takes time. You got to go back and read. You got to read the lyrics on the, on the back of the CD. God has given us here in Revelation a vision of what must, can, and will happen. These are not actors. These are not entertainers. This vision is about real people not saying their part but doing their part and giving praise to God, their maker, with an imperfect harmony. It is a vision of eclectic community whose mission of perfect harmony requires, number one, that we know 
the people of our world. Secondly, that we bring justice to the world of people. And finally, that we call all people of the world to worship God. Let me tell you that this is a picture of harmony, of eclectic community and communion of people, it says, of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And they harmonize in part because they hit the same chord of being known. They declare the incarnational glory of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came to know them, that Jesus was not ignorant to their struggles, to all that it represented. Jesus gave himself to this representative world of people. The Bible says they are covered in his blood-washed robes. Which tells us that, that all of they are all of them have, have been known and, and dealt with by the living Lord who is his very body, in his very body rather, felt and feels and corresponds and sees all they have been through. So much so that God the Father, according to the end of this chapter, of this verse and chapter, is able to wipe every tear. That's every tear of every person with every tear representing every injustice, every sin against all that they are as a people, tribe, tongue, and nation. That's a lot of tears, and that's a lot of knowledge of each person. One of the greatest adversaries in discord to perfect harmony or racial harmony or ethnic harmony or social harmony that we see happening in this revelation vision is ignorance. You know, that man, you don't know me. You don't see me. You treat me like you don't care. My tears and my struggle, they mean nothing to you. You don't feel me. It's the movie Boys in the Hood. The character Doughboy, played by West Coast NWA Spawn rapper turned actor Ice Cube, drops this memorable quote at the end of the movie. Either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the hood. The point? Ignorance. Ignorance. Not knowing. Not caring to know. Has led to discord among people in this country and in our churches. It's been seven years since Hurricane Katrina hit the bayou, and I remember like it was yesterday or today how that hurricane exposed the unseen, unknown, and ignored racial, economic, and class disparity in our country. It takes a hurricane to dig into the ground. It takes a hurricane for us to see it because we would rather just not know. Jesus calling his people. That's you church people. That's you sitting up in here claiming his name, who are his body, to not only be known, which is the greatest idol we have, I want people to know me, but to know, to be familiar with the world outside of you, to see them, to hear the stories, to feel them. But to leave it at that would just lead to a dead end of generalization. Because I could tell you to watch a million movies and documentaries and listen to the stories behind the rap songs or look at people's Facebook pages. But what's that lead to again? Generalization. Because we, especially those not of the dominant culture, know what it's like to be treated like you are doughboy even though you're from the suburbs. Like we all grew up in the hood. 
I remember telling my wife I grew up in the hood. Y'all heard this before, right? What's your address? Nine, Trishel. What? Nobody in the hood got a single-digit number. How many streets, how many houses on your street? Well, around the cul-de-sac, cul-de-sac. Leave my bike outside, be there for three days in the front yard. It's not a knowledge, just a nation of people he's talking about. But look what it says. A multitude that no one could, could, could number, verse 9, from every nation. What? From all tribes and peoples and languages. It requires more than just an outside knowledge that breeds stereotypes. It requires an entering into the world of people relationships, a relationship. The Bible says here in in verse 15 that he will shelter them with his presence. Another translation says that he will extend his tent over these people. A tent is a family distinction. God has invited these people to his tailgate. And in doing so, God has called us to enter into relationship, real relationship with the people of this world like his own son did, knowing and touching and being touched by the world of people. It's been some years now since I read an article on the Tijuana border. Talked about people crossing back and forth in the images, in the story. And I remember watching a documentary on it about all the immigration problems, how crime is happening, and they show you a nice brown face. Just made me familiar, but becomes active when we take it as a family issue, right? Everything changes. When you know and live with and for the person behind the article. I mean, I've actually changed my view on immigration because those who were alien to me have now become familiar to me. Bill and Charlie Marquardt have two Latino children they've adopted. I remember she wrote me a long and passionate letter about the demoralizing and inhumane immigration laws and enforcement of those laws and how her own son and daughter will have to grow up in a world where they are discriminated against because of the way they look. And they have no reason. I mean, Charlie, Bill, come on. You have no reason to be worried about the Latino community and immigration. Y'all are the dominant culture. Successful, Southern, ready for Charlotte. They should be sitting around with their friends talking about how immigration is hurting the country and how we got to pay for these people and hurting our health care. Now, I'm splitting hairs. They may have some different views. I'm I'm just saying it's easy just to kind of fall into that world, but something happened to them. They've come to know and care for and have an eye and heart for the issue by being more than just familiar, but family. Being under the same tent, being under the same shelter, their children and their children's nationality and struggles are in our tent at Christ Central. They are our family. And so you can't just go and let your mouth run about immigration issues and those people and brown faces and those folk on that side of town. 
Because you're talking about my children, my niece and nephew. I'm not going to stand for it. And this is what the Lord does with bringing us under 110. He makes you not be able to stand for the mistreatment of those who are your family. We must come to a place and go to places where we can look into eyes and touch skin and be moved and changed by people who, person, who personally give us their stories as friends and neighbors that God calls us to treat with a familial respect and love. Maybe it's being a part of a church like ours, or maybe it means being a part of social groups or even schools that are not so homogenous. And here's the deal. We look at this tent and look at all these people Look like a mess to me. I don't like to show up with a whole bunch of people all over the place. A whole bunch of different people. I like to figure it out. But here's the problem. And, and here's the deal. Expect to feel ignorant when you come into God's tent because you are. Well, you know, I watch TV and I, I know the shows, you know. No, you don't know. Well, I watched the Cosby show in the 80s. And... <laughs> you don't know. Well, I watch Mad Men. Y'all like that? Just like what? <laughs> I watch Breaking Bad. What's up? I'm boys in the hood if you Breaking Bad. No problem. Let's go with it. Surprise to some of you who think you know everything or have seen every angle of every race. You don't. You can't. Expect to not get it the first time around. Why should you? Look at this text. People are complicated, and racism and classism is one of the most deadly and determined unseen parasites in our world. You need to come like Jesus did and listen and just take it on you. Take your hits. Let it confound you and weigh you down and even confuse you a little bit. And there will be confrontations and struggles and communication. And at Christ Central Church, what we like to call the fight. There's a reason they had to get their robes washed. Because they've been in the dirt together. With each other even. There, there, there must be disagreements in how things are done and said and understood. And there will be a fight that leads to a better understanding. You know, I, I, you know we talk about the parish model we've been doing lately in community groups and getting people to kind of, you know, not, not try to go to the group where everybody's like you. I think I misled. I did it. I misled some folks. Look, I'm the same way. I look at some of the community groups, I'm like, uh-uh, ain't going to that one. And, and I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's going to be irritating. And the problem is, I know some of y'all. And, like, and I've never been to a community group, so it ain't your community group, okay? And it's probably talking about me. I don't know, but if I go down a list of community groups and I see a name, nah, man, they sickening, No.
You're going to roll in, somebody's going to have Fox News on, you're going to be mad. You're going to roll in, somebody's going to have MSNBC, you're going to be mad. You gonna, I mean, community group is where it happens for us, I hope. Don't pick the one that look nice. Oh, I know I can go in there. Oh, I just need, you know, that's a place where I can just be me. No, you never called in church to be you. You called to be us. And us is real messed up. <laughs> Got the race class that we have here at Christ Central. That thing rough. It always seems to end with some frayed edges. That's going to take years to fix, right? There ain't no bow to wrap it up. We'll get our robes washed one day, but not today. It's time to get dirty with this issue and with each other. And face it, you will say something stupid. I have. I like to talk. But the mission and hope is that in the correction or rebuke, there's a greater knowledge and deeper appreciation and friendship. I remember Kelly and I going to Twin Oaks Multicultural Day. Big, giant. We went to this church. We loved the people. We were in a community group. We did our part. We were the only two black ones in there. Yay, we did it. Somebody with me. Somebody with me today. Thank you, Zion. Thank you. And he wasn't being cynical. <laughs> That's what nursery's for. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just... <laughs> so we had multicultural day at this church. I think Kelly and I were maybe two of four black people. Week two of two, three. And we came regularly. Sometimes we saw the other black guy, but you know those settings, you try to avoid them. If you don't understand the complicated nature of that, we'll talk later. So, you know, they had um, all the places their mission trips had been, and they had all this food out. And then... One thing they had, like, what was it? Uh, barbecue sandwiches and coleslaw. And that was inner city food. Black food. And I tried not to come down on them because it was a youth group that did it. So we're in line, and this elder and his wife are behind us. Well, the elder's wife is behind us. And we're like, Kelly's like, man, this ain't no, what do you mean by inner city food? Some poorly done barbecue sandwiches and slaw? That ain't inner city food. You know how much a barbecue slider costs at Midwood Barbecue? It ain't no inner city food. And a lady behind us said, that's right. Because inner city food is ribs and watermelon, right? I like ribs and watermelon. <laughs> there have been times I've had ribs and watermelon and nothing else on the plate. Or fried chicken and watermelon and nothing else on a plate. Not because I'm black, because I'm southern. Two. That same day, the children's song, uh, they sang this children's song, um, 
what is it? Jesus loves the little children, right? And so they had little parts to represent the cultures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it got worse that day, right? So they sing, Jesus loves the little children. And so they gave to the Asian part, let the little children, like that, right? They came to the Native American part, Jesus loves the little, yes. Oh, yeah. Wasn't the Florida State game was a church song. So we went to confront, because the pastor's wife, of course, was over the, the children's choir. That was easy. And we went in to see them to tell them about what all that went on. And the black part was jazz music. What's the white part? No white part, because that's normative, right? Everything else is a variation. So we go to his office, right? And we walk in. He's got this tie with children of different races on it, first of all. I'm like, we are we in trouble. So we're like, look, we kind of had some issues. We told them about everything, and they said, look, she starts crying. And then she says, look, we've been to Africa. So we know what we're doing. Have you been to Africa? And Kelly's like, I'm not from Africa. Have you been in my neighborhood? No, but we've been to Africa. So, in other words, we get you people. Thank the Lord for relationship. Because it took some time to get through that one. It is a mission to, like it did Jesus, make you have to go and live in another world between yours and theirs. You're either going to be the ignorant person or the person being treated or mistreated badly or misunderstood by the person who's been to Africa. And it's funny that as I read uh, Charlie's letter, how that for you and Bill, you stand at odds with many of those who have shared your political leanings. It's funny how that changes. Because harmony from knowledge, as we see in Christ's work, follows the necessary road to justice, to writings of wrongs, the writings of wrongs of those who you've been touched by and have touched. Jesus here brings these people into harmony before God in his picture. In heaven, because he has taken away their guilt. That's what it means to have your robes washed in the blood and provided justice and righteousness for them. Remember the whole of them, their people, their group, their tribe, their tongue and nation, all of that has been reconciled rightly in justice before God and in them. And we have this ironic but powerful image in verse 14. Look with me with it. Look with me at it together. Verse 13, then one of the elders addressed me, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, there, uh, these are ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. The image is ironic because two things that don't go well together is white clothing and blood. Yet the text says that these are they which are there together in unified wonder, marked, if you will, as unified because they all wear the same thing. Not just white robes, but robes that have been washed in the blood of Jesus. You know, it's almost like the, 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 the color of your um, uh, dishwashing detergent is blue. You put it in there, it still makes it white. But the color of Jesus' detergent 
is red, like the blood that they have been justified, that they've been given justice, rightness before God and themselves and others, rescued from a world of sin and, and injustices because of Jesus. And the bloody image is more than the passivity of his crucifixion. Dying for the sins they've done. But, these done, but not only that, but those done against them. Understand their blood. I mean, their robes have to be washed in the blood. Not only because they put dirt on themselves, but in the world we live, people have kicked dirt on them. But also, look at verse 15, if you will. Therefore they are before the throne of God and served him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more. That the sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb is in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to the springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The shelter again or tents means freedom from slavery or classism. The, the tent means no longer working under a cruel master and system and oppression to no longer unjustly being hungry and forgotten or, or having the resource be misappropriated, even in the name of capitalism or, or free market. No longer any people who are unjustly, unjustly defined or, or mistreated as the haves or have-nots. They all sit in equal dignity under God's glorious shelter. And Jesus fought for, here's what the text is saying, he fought for and bled for that liberation. And now bloodshed is the very mark of mission, of the mission we have towards diverse unity, because we are called to fight. We're called to suffer. We're called to get dirty, to battle, to, to bleed, to, to bring justice to the world of people that we have come to see and know and understand their tears and the struggle and injustice behind the tears. And like God on this side of heaven, we seek to wipe those tears away with justice and dignity. We are called to use our lives our blood-pumped bodies in our robes. Yes, you are redeemed people who wear robes. Yes, right now you wear a robe of righteousness if you are a believer. But the Bible is calling us to get those robes dirty with the work of the kingdom. And Jesus is going to wash it. He's going to handle it. We are called to combat the injustices of racism, classism, we stand up and bleed for all done against those that we know are in the family of God's creation. All our civil rights days, church people marched and went to jail and picketed and talked about injustice and sermons, stuff that won't make little evangelical churches grow these days. Yes, we are called to be the ones that people say, oh no, here he or she comes, Mr. and Mrs. Civil Rights. Uh-oh, wrap up your jokes. Here they come, who make the stereotypical, easy said, racial jokes and assumptions awkward. I made a little allusion to the David Chappelle skit on Keeping It Real. You've seen that one when Keeping It Real goes bad. I'm not saying go watch a bunch of David Chappelle. I'm just using this illustration. 
But there's one of those skits where this, this African-American guy climbs up in this company, and he says one day his mentor, who's a white guy, makes an awkward comment in the board meeting. And David Chappelle's character loses it. And it goes real bad. Ends up washing windows. Keeping it real gone wrong. Well, this is when keeping it right and just will call out wrongs and still be awkward and damage your acceptability. Yeah. You ain't going to get invited over anymore. Because you're not going to let them drop them jokes. You're not going to let the stuff easily slide off people's lips. I, I, look, I try to stay away from it. I don't think it's the best way of communication. But some of y'all, when people drop things on Facebook, ah, you just can't help it. Oh, no, here they come again. That's because they go to that liberal church. We in the PCA ain't nothing liberal about us. I got to teach people we ain't no cult. Ain't you with David Koresh? No, I ain't with him. Don't y'all still believe slavery is okay? Nah! That was the guys who were the foundation of the denomination. That ain't us. Those are guys we still read in seminary, but they dead and gone. No big deal. But we liberal, y'all. Yes. If racial justice and social economic justice is liberal, we are a liberal church. I hope somebody hears that online. We liberal. We don't identify with no political party. We Democrats, we Republicans, some of y'all anarchists. I don't know how godly that is, but some of y'all are. <laughs> Libertarians, socialists, communists, whatever. Is your robe washed in the blood of the Lamb? So what I'm going to tell you to do, here's your instructions, liberal church. Bring up the immigration issue again. Yeah, bring it up, right? Go ahead, bring up the issues of gentrification again. Go ahead, bring up Katrina. It ain't over yet. Go ahead, bring up China's civil rights issues again. Go ahead, bring up Senator Obama's race as a possible issue in the election again. Go ahead, let your black friends know that some of your fr best friends and even spiritual leaders are white and that you trust them. Go ahead, make your friends uncomfortable about their ignorant and insensitive jokes and statements. But... <laughs> I must tell you, you will start a fight. And awkwardness will follow you that only our Lord can win. That this mission to and work for just equality, regardless of race, is more than reparations. It is about offering a world a chance to repent, to admit their prejudice and be forgiven more than a social movement about salvation. We're not talking about getting things right for social equality and racial justice just in and of itself. Man, this text is about salvation. And this is a door to salvation. This is a sign of repentance. This is a sign. You know what a sign that Jesus is in your camp? That you can handle these kind of discussions. If you can't have that discussion, uh, Jesus ain't invited to that community group. 
Get this, it is a justice that people who believe in Jesus can demand because the pain and hurt and despair is not ignored and overlooked or mollified. No, we call for repentance and forgiveness for things people can't repair and repay, but can only be fixed by what Jesus has done. It's like the slavery issue stuff. I, I hear it all the time. I wasn't there. Don't be dropping no 400 years on me. And who, who, who am I going to help once we dredge up the fact that my beginnings in this country were equal to a horse, Right? I hate those wounds and feelings of guilt. Please let the past die. The past can die if it's still living in the future, in the present. Justice is only perfect just when someone pays the price and heals the wound and it's only something the God-man, the redeemer of fallen man can do. Jesus Christ with the confidence that we can, he can take the judgment and the injustice and he alone can bleed and make it right. We have a must motivation to join our Lord, to bleed and fight. There's more we see here, isn't there? Because in this heavenly vision of perfect harmony, battle cries have worked to produce a new sound. The sound of worldwide worship. Where there is singing and joy and honor and oneness. Where there is this supernatural chord of different tongues juggling and mixing together in some way that makes clear to the listener, John, what they are singing. Look at verse 9. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I always wondered, they, got different la- they, have different, they have different languages. How is it a harmony? What happened here? Are they all speaking English because that's the language you need to learn to get around this world? No. This wasn't written in English, so I'm not sure. But here's, here's the amazing thing. Worship is the place and act of perfect harmony. It is our mission to call the people of the world to worship him with all that they are, to not have to be more black or more white or less black or less white or less culturally expressive, but to provide places and ways for all people to worship him. I'm not against a homogenous church. I'm not against the homogenous mission. It's okay for a church to be all white or all black if it means that their people are committed to the effort of providing a place for every tribe, tongue, nation, and people to know Jesus and hear him. Here's the point here. I don't believe this is a picture necessarily of one church worshiping. The reason every tribe, tongue, and nation is there in this vision is not because they're worshiped together in one building necessarily. No, because one Lord came to many nations in many languages through many tribes, becoming the Lord of many people. I want to emphasize that because there's another kind of backside to this racism thing that happens, and it's this. Hey, look, we need to save the world to worship just like we do. Be careful of that. People have been worshiping right before Christianity became European. Okay, that, that confession you read today, a Syrian pastor. Yeah, the one that make, you know, that gets an extra check when he goes through the, through the lines at the airport. That's who wrote the confession we have today. Christianity looked like the Middle East and North Africa. We've got to be careful, have to be careful when we say worship and how we... But here's the point. 
The vision is not about a church, but the church, the church university that right now, all over the world, different tribes, tongues, nations, and people are worshiping the Lord. Christ Central is about one facet, of, uh, uh, one facet of tribe, language, and people. Yes, more diverse than a lot of churches. And that eclectic community is not called to embody and promote the happenings and picture of Revelation 7. But understand, we are but one culture, urban, multi-ethnic, sacramental, covenantal, Protestant, Presbyterian church. And that is about one group of many types of multi-ethnic churches. almost done here. We've made church hard, though. This church is difficult. You always wonder if you're in the out crowd or the in crowd. And who's winning and who's losing in here? Everybody's losing. And everybody's winning. We can't lean any direction we will always offend somebody or not do enough. Man, I can't stand preaching in this church. I'm called to do it, but I don't like it. I'd like to be back at the black church. Well, I know what an amen means and all of that, and I know what certain faces mean. I can't always tell what all y'all faces mean. Black or white or Asian, I don't know what your face means. This is a mess up in here. It's one glorious mess that forces Jesus to be central. That's why we called it in part Christ central. It's going to be such a mess that you just, you just can't settle on this idolatrous kind of way or culture or thinking to be the way we think we're getting to heaven. No, there's only going to be one way. Only one person gets the glory up in here the Lord Jesus Christ. The mission of Christ Central says, freeing people to enjoy God, hear his truth, form authentic relationships, and face the world with the renewed dignity that comes from Christ. We worship because Jesus called a world to worship. Ebony and Ivory don't live together or worship together and aren't an eclectic community in perfect harmony. Keys side by side don't harmonize, they clash. But reach and touch rightly by the right person. The differences that should bring discord bring the resolve and beauty that we see and vision here in this revelation. Jesus finds people and touches them like, like keys of different colors and cultural intonations on a worldwide keyboard with a skillful, loving hand and knowledge of humankind's Savior. And he brings harmony to what would otherwise be the disharmony of forgotten people who are trapped in guilt or bondage. This mission is about believing and following on the belief that Jesus comes to touch and change a racially divided and damaged world of sinners and make them and bring them into perfect harmony for his kingdom and his glory and his praise.